Today's Torah reading will actually be the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through, actually I'll go to verse 20, verse 21. Before I start, I've been going through a six-year topical study through David Cook on uh, various topics in the Bible. And yesterday, uh, in this quarter, they're talking about justice from the Bible standpoint. And before I read the Ten Commandments, I want to read a statement in the conclusion that really struck me. Because one of the best ways uh, the law like the Bible comes from God, and it's through the Bible that we get to know the Lord and what kind of, and as the statement says, we find out what kind of God is in our midst. And the author of this study says, um, one of the powerful treatments of the nature of God appears in Exodus. It contains a richly layered set of stories exploring the question what sort of God we have in our midst. This story lies behind all of Israel's law. Rather than creating a long philosophical discussion on God, the scroll of Exodus weaves together stories about divine actions and conversations around him. As it reveals a God who practices a radical commitment to mercy, Exodus also does not avoid the challenges that belief in a redeemer God poses. And so when we study not just the Bible, but when we put ourselves, particularly in Israel's place, they're getting to know God, and they're getting to know him through his laws. God is setting up a society, a theocracy. And we need to remember when Yeshua comes back, he's not setting up a democracy, he's setting up a theocracy. Completely different. And so... The law was, particularly for Israel, the Ten uh, certain commandments, but this was how they not only learned how their society was to be built, but they also learned how to get to know the Lord. And so we need to remember that this, that not only were they knowing the law, but they were getting to know what kind of God he was, that he was a holy God. And so, in God, starting in verse 1, then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them and serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I mean, separate, apart from the rest of the week. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, 
she shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. It's not that God needed to rest, it's just that he's setting an example. If God decided to rest one day in seven, then who are we to say otherwise? Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. All the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen, but let not God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. So the people stood at a distance while Moses approached the thick cloud where God was. So what kind of God do we have is in our midst? God is a jealous God who will not tolerate idols in life or, or in our hearts, rivals, so to speak. He's a God who also holds people accountable for their actions. And since he's a God that knows everything, he's talking about every action. He is also merciful. And that's this, the uh, story of the atonement, the system, as well as what Yeshua did on the cross, which is the perfect atonement. He is holy. He is set apart. He's different. He's not like us. He expects us to learn the meaning of rest. You wouldn't think that in our society, but he built that into the Ten Commandments, one day and seven to rest. He expects us to honor our parents and to honor the biblical family. He considers life, he considers life sacred and expects us to keep our covenant with our spouse in marriage. He expects us not to covet or steal, and he hates liars, particularly in a court of law. So that's an introduction of how the people got to know the Lord through the law, at least in the Ten Commandments. In Romans 7, starting in verse 9, we need to remember when they, when we looked at what I read after the Ten Commandments is the people basically saw God, saw what he was, and they became scared. And that's a common phenomenon when you come encounter the living God, particularly in Scripture. And so Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 9, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive, and I died. 
And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. For sin, taking an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. Therefore, did that which is good become a cause of death for me? May it never be. Rather, it was sin in order that it might be shown to be sin by affecting my death through that which is good, so that through the commandment sin would be utterly sinful. And so what we see is God revealed himself to the Israelites, and he reveals himself through his word and through his laws. And one of the results is we see how holy and perfect God is and how unholy and imperfect we are. And God knows that, and so he set up an atonement system which can't permanently cover our sins. And so he sent Yeshua to die for a permanent sacrifice. So it's through our faith in Yeshua and what he did on the tree that atones for our sins. In Yeshua, in history, there's a lot of people in the church that think that God came to abolish the law, but Yeshua said, do not think that in Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets. I did not come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. For truly I say to you, or as one translation says, I tell you the truth. I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. And, and also Paul said in Romans 3.20, By the works of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin, which is a reiteration of what... Um, Paul said in Romans 7, so it's through the law, God introduces himself in the law, shows he's holy and perfect, and it can, as Paul said, it convicts us of sin, and then we need to accept what Yeshua did on the tree, on the cross, as the atonement for our sins, the only atonement for our sins the perfect atonement, so that we can restore fellowship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.